I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. Welcome. This episode is about the sanctity of marriage. We've just spent a bunch of time wrestling with this subject, and we're still wrestling with it. So we're probably going to come back to that. We need some more time, but what we don't need more time with and what we want to talk about right now is what we think about how sacred marriage is. We live in a society where almost everyone's been touched in some way by divorce, and it's a very, very painful subject for a lot of people. My parents were divorced, and it was totally shocking and wrenching, and it's really one of the only times I can recall seeing my dad cry. <laughs> it was like a death had occurred, but there was no finality to it, no time for fond remembrances, only a living death, a constant dying. It's taken a long time for that open sore to heal, and it left fears that took a long time for me to face personally. So if you hear something in this episode that's hard, please know we empathize. At the same time, we want to look at it because sometimes we need to talk about what's painful because it's the only way to bring healing. Or maybe you're about to get married. So I think that's also important to hear what Jesus is saying here. Tim, do you want to read this? Yeah. So in Matthew 5, 31, 32, it says, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Right. So this passage we're studying, just to give the context here, it's... Um, one of what's referred to as one of the six antitheses, because Jesus quotes a passage of the law, or he paraphrases something and then says, but I say, and then he gives us God's will. Um, it, it wasn't until I spent a long time in this section, though, that I understood something which I think is, is basic. Um, Jesus says our righteousness should surpass that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law. And then he gives his audience six examples of teaching that they heard in their day. He says, you've heard it said. Each of these six examples represent something false or something hypocritical that was prevalent in Jesus's time. He's telling his audience that their teachers had relaxed the law in some way, and then he tells them how they did it. And I don't know. Some of you might be thinking, yeah, duh. Congratulations. Welcome to the party, pal. Took you long enough. That's how I feel, kind of. It's kind of like those, uh, one of those uh, light is dawning on marble head moments for me. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's really interesting, though, as, as I started to dig into this more because um, it, it blew my mind. And you can see records in the Dead Sea Scrolls and rabbinical re, uh, sources that illustrate the very problems Jesus was correcting in these six examples. Now, in the case of divorce, he's highlighting a debate between two schools of thought and where the prevailing wind was, of change was blowing. You had the Pharisees and the teachers of law, and they were picking a, a piece of Deuteronomy 24 
and they were misquoting it or maybe misapplying it to facilitate easy divorce. They were saying, all you need to do to satisfy the law is give your wife a certificate of divorce, then you're righteous. You've fulfilled the requirements of the law. And Jesus says, no, that's not God's will. He completely removes the loophole they had created, what I call the clever lawyering, um, that had circumvented God's will. So, question, how, how does this context mirror our society's attitudes toward divorce? What are some of the problems we face when we listen to the world's standards on this topic? Yeah, Matt, I appreciate that intro and, and us being able to, to have this conversation. I know when I think about what the world commonly teaches about most things, uh, and in marriage in particular, uh, one of the words that comes to mind is convenience. Uh, there's this very prevalent idea that my life should be you know, full of happiness and comfort, and it should be convenient for me. I mean, that's why we love Amazon and all these other <laughs> things that, you know, bring us what we want at our fingertips. And when I'm thinking about the way that we're seeing the Pharisees and the teachers of the law handle the command in Scripture, uh, the in Deuteronomy 24, um, you're, you're talking about, you know, they're, they're using it to facilitate an easy divorce because the idea of being faithful, of being committed to someone, even if that's challenging, that's not a very convenient thing. Uh, and so I, I think we can miss a lot of the, the real promise and potential of marriage if we think that it's always got to be easy mm-hmm. and it's always, it's always something that needs to make me feel, you know, really pleasantly. And if that's not the case, Mm. then it's just something that I I can end because it's not uh, giving me something that I want. Yeah, uh, Tim, I I agree with what you're saying about so much of what we do and how we are in our relationships, in, in everything that we do is based on how it feels. It's supposed to feel, we want to feel good all the time. We want to be happy all the time. And I think nobody really believes that they're actually going to achieve that. I do think, though, that in the area of relationships, and particularly when it comes to romantic relationships and and marriages, there's this sense of the need to want to feel that first blush of in love Mm. all the time. Yeah. And people speak in terms like that. People speak in terms of being in love and uh, and they don't think of loving someone as something that you build, something that you have to work at, something that you have to grow in and something that you're committed to. There's that language in almost every wedding ceremony I've ever been in, whether it was religious or secular, there is language that talks about building mm-hmm. and being committed. But when it comes right down to it, it it sort of just gets at our feelings. Yeah. And that if you're feeling not great about your relationship, about your marriage, then that suddenly becomes grounds of considering, well, whether it, maybe it's not working. Yeah. 
maybe it's time to maybe it's time to take a break maybe it's time to quit maybe it's time to divorce yeah yeah we have these weird ideas about well i think you can even hear it in in the uh one of these inalienable in, inalienable rights that we all think we have one of them is the pursuit of happiness a lot of us just get rid of the first part and say happiness that's my right mm. well happiness that is so mercurial. Like, you know, there's so many things that will, will change that. But, you know, if you feel like this is your right, well, this person's not making me happy. I got to find someone else who will. Well, the problem is wherever you go, there you are. Exactly. Uh, this section begins with an also instead of just the normal, you have heard it said. In this sense, it appears connected to the previous section on lust and adultery. How are these two examples related, and what do you think is the overall point Jesus is trying to make about divorce? Yeah, so I guess, Matt, one of the things I was... uh, when you said that this section starts with also, I had to go back and look at all the different translations. And I was like, oh, some of them say also and some of them don't. And I don't know why that is. But then it got me thinking about the structure. And mm-hmm. it definitely is a different structure introducing this concept. And I was like, okay, so the point of it being linked is definitely still there. But it it, it got me thinking because I, I don't always think about how these sections are connected and mm-hmm. how the, and everything flows. Uh, and I get so honed in on what the headings are, <laughs> right? They get put in our modern Bibles. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really appreciate the the deeper uh, look into it to think about, okay, how are these things connect? And one of the things that I was thinking about, so a lot of these things that Jesus is saying is are things that we shouldn't do, right? Yeah. And the, there, there's other parts of the Beatitudes that talk about, or the Sermon on the Mount in general, that talk about what we should do. Um, Mm. And I I find sometimes going back and forth can be helpful for me. And so I was just thinking about what's what's the general idea of what does Jesus desire in these marriage relationships, right? If he's saying lust is adultery, that divorce, he's, um, you know, calling that in this context, he's calling that adultery, um, he makes her in, in the new NIV, he's talking about making her the victim of adultery. I mean, there's this really yeah. intense yeah. language, right? That's yeah. the point I'm trying to make in this context. And what's the positive side of that, right? What's the, what's the other uh, side of the coin? And I, the word that came to mind was faithfulness, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. God desires faithfulness in the marriage relationship, just as he desires it in other relationships, just as he models it for, uh, himself, you know, to us. And both of these things, you know, lust, uh, is, is a break of that faithfulness when, when you, if you are married, it's a break of faithfulness to your spouse, right? Uh, it, it goes much beyond that. And we talked about that at great length in the other episodes. Uh, but in one sense, that's one of the things I see. And then, uh, divorce is also, you know, a break of that faithfulness of, uh, either it's a break of the faithfulness or an acknowledgement of that that breaking already happening, but it's, uh, however you might think about it, there's, these aren't the ideal of what God is Mm -hmm. desiring for these, this, this marriage covenant. Yeah. Yeah. There's sort of a, there's sort of a, 
there's a what you do and there's a who you are inside. You know, I was having a discussion um, with someone a week ago and I told them whenever I'm making a decision about something, I have to think about what what is the or more accurately whenever I'm reacting. Making a decision is a, a more faithful process because you're slowing down. And But when I'm reacting, when something happens and I just react, I said to this person, the sod in me wants to do this. I want to go over and smack the guy. Hmm. The God in me tells me immediately, no, that's not a good idea. <laughs> Slow down. Think about it. And I think that a lot of times with when we're talking about adultery, and it is uh, such a an extreme word. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's such a it's such a hard word to hear for uh, for a married person to think my lust is adultery. That's that's crazy. And that Jesus is adding that also there. Or, you know, to your point, Tim, that this is all together in one context. It's his saying that what's more important is God in you. What's more important is your soul, is your spirit. Whether you're restraining yourself or not, you know, it's more important that I deal with the thing in me that mm-hmm. wants to go smack the guy. Yeah. Than it is my just saying, well, I wanted to smack the guy, but I didn't. Does that make sense? It's a, it, it, it's not just the refraining from the immediate reaction. It's the dealing with the spirit that mm-hmm. wants to do that. Yeah. There's something inside of us, each of us, that that Jesus addresses in our heart. He, mm-hmm. All of these things go straight to our heart. The the motivations, the thoughts, the everything that's going on inside of us that God sees. And I, and I, um, I think that all of them have to do with, I like what you were saying, Tim, about faithfulness. You mm-hmm. know, that, that there is, that is one of the, the core things that, you know, matters to God. Mm-hmm. And uh, each of these examples is, is you know, a, an aspect of how love breaks down in some way. And, and I think for me, the thing that uh, connects these two is the adultery, actually. And the, you know, he talks about lust as an adultery and he talks about divorce as an adultery. And, the the that's what connects it for me that that divorce adulterates people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, just like lust adulterates people outside of marriage, and both are not God's design. And and um, it makes me think too about the context a little bit about this, right? So they have this squabble over Deuteronomy twenty four, and um, I think it's interesting that you know this scripture is being twisted, uh, and Jesus uses a word. Um, um, that it that goes to me harkens back to that original um, passage uh, when he when he uses um, the the term for sexual immorality. It's kind of an umbrella term that would include adultery. Mm-hmm. And in that original uh, Deuteronomy twenty four passage, it, it talks about um, some indecency, and th- that the word that's used over there has to do with uncleanness of a a shameful exposure of one's genitals. So there's some kind of indecent behavior that's implied there. And uh, so, so I think he's, he's connecting to those things and then talking about how that was twisted somehow. Mm -hmm. But, 
but what I see is that there's just a lot of adulterating happening and the, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of adultery happening. And if I had to take a stab at what's the, the main thrust here, I think it has to do with the sanctity of marriage. Mm-hmm. God has created something that is, uh, it shouldn't be so easily dissolved. We should look at that and uh, not take marriage as such a light thing. Right. And I do think, um, uh, to your point, Tim, about wanting to go and see what is the opposite, what what is this really about, and landing on that it's about faithfulness. Uh, I think that's a very important thing for us to do in general when we read the scriptures. Uh, I tend towards the negative in in uh, in everything that I, in the way that I think, and I think society tends towards the negative. That's why we're so fascinated by documentaries about serial killers and you know uh, westerns about bad guys and and we we tend to emphasize negative things mm-hmm. and uh, that the message of the scripture is life and it's 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 love and we have to think how is Jesus trying to point us in that direction yeah. with what he's saying here obviously he's not trying to get us to just think adultery 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 all the time He's trying by his words to tell us how special, how sacred marriage is supposed yeah. to be. But and, and I think it's something that says something about the sinful nature where we look for loopholes, right? Yeah. That uh, and that's sort of what he's addressing. I think you're right. He he is talking about no. The high ideal is faithfulness, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, but it's funny how often people look at this and and their first inclination is, oh, is there an exception? When can I get divorced? No, that's you're missing the point. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about being faithful. And I think that's such an important thing to to remember. Can I just like connect two of those ideas? Because we've sort of this faithfulness, um, but then there's you guys were talking about all these things get to the heart, right? And I feel like lust is maybe an easier one to see how it connects to the heart because it's this very internal thing. But divorce is a very external action, right? It's a, you're making a legal statement. I'm not mm-hmm. connected to this person anymore. Um, but it's it's only when we think about the the positive, you know, what is what is Jesus aiming at in 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 speaking against divorce with a strong language that we can see how this gets to the heart, right? If we just focus on the negative, it feels like, oh, you know, Jesus is just saying, oh, you shouldn't do this, this thing. Mm. But when we think about how God desires faithfulness, then we see, oh, well, so many times in my life, even if I'm not thinking about divorce, I'm still not coming at things from a faithful perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you know, we're going to talk about oaths soon. And there's like the way I'm full of, am I full of integrity, right? Yeah. Or, um, or it's my internal thoughts, right? Like is faithfulness, is love the, the, the guiding force of my life? Uh, and I think by speaking against divorce in this strong way that Jesus, you know, is pointing us in that direction. Yeah. Well, I, I think it would have shocked his hearers to to an extent to hear some of this, and I think it's shocking to us a, a little bit too. And think what it does for me is, um, you know, thinking positively. This is about faithfulness. It reminds me 
how much I need God mm-hmm. to be faithful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't for God, I would be divorced. And that's mostly because of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I mean, I know that there's two people in this equation, my wife and I, but I would be divorced because I'm a sinner and it's only because of God that I'm not divorced. And I'm very grateful. I love yeah. my wife. I'm so grateful that we're not divorced. And I get, I mean, I I, I think I looked out in the, the equation here for sure because I get so much, I've experienced so much love in that. And I'm glad, um, but I, I need God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see it so clearly. Yeah. And I just appreciate your honesty with that, Matt, just like saying that. Cause I think a lot of, I've only been married for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. but I, it's been long enough to realize like, oh, this is like really hard, <laughs> you know? And when I was single and I was outside looking in, uh, and I saw people who got divorced after 15, 20, 25, 30 years of marriage, I thought in my head of like, oh, I can't, I'm, I can't understand why anyone would possibly do that. Mm. And now I'm like, oh, well, if I'm just living my own sinful way and my wife is living in her own sinful way, we're not very nice to be around. No. And mm-hmm. that's really hard to deal with. And it's only through us dying to ourselves and deciding we're going to love one another and primarily love God and commit ourselves to this relationship that it can become a thing that thrives and grows and brings life. But, um, I, yeah, I had a couple kids, a mortgage, job mm-hmm. stress, na- throw a few more stresses on you. Life just gets harder and harder. And that's usually when people break. If you're relying on yourself, that's yeah. that's when people break. Yeah. Having been married for, I think I've probably been married the longest, uh, 30, 32 years coming up on. Nice. And, you know, I shudder to think of the type of man I would be if I had not married Shmitra. That we uh, we work so well together, and and that's not to say that we don't have disagreements and we don't have issues and we don't have problems and we don't have things that we're working through. And as soon as we work through one thing, another thing pops up. Life is really hard that way, but uh, the, and the feeling of being in love, the 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 hearts popping in bubbles around my eyes when <laughs> I see her, I still get that sometimes. But I have to get there sometimes too, and uh, it, there's so much. I often say to people, marriage is not for the faint of heart. It, it's hmm. not. You, you you have to enter it and you have to have some courage and you have to have some uh, loyalty and perseverance in it. But um, it's, it's wonderful. And if yeah. the only thing you're in it for is my, is your own comfort and your own happiness and your own joy, or uh, that's when it gets really hard. Mm-hmm. That's when it gets really, when, when your quotient is just how happy am I? you're, you're going to start to think, well, how, how can I get out of this? But once you're out of it, you're not going to be any happier because nope. happy is that happiness is that elusive, strange thing that you're never quite going to catch. And when you do catch it, it's like sand in your hands. It doesn't, it doesn't stay there very yeah. long. You can't replicate 
the same, hey, if I p- do these inputs, I'll get this output. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> right. uh, and I'm glad you brought it back to thinking about how uh, thinking of others really in a, re- in a relationship that's so key. You can't be, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And um, when I've been most happy has ironically been not, well, I mean, maybe it's not ironic, like just when I'm not thinking of myself and I'm thinking of my wife and how, oh, she's in need or she, she, let me not be just thinking about, I'm not getting my needs met right now. Let me be patient. Let me be gentle. Let me listen. This isn't what I want right now. This is tough. Let me listen. Okay. And then afterward, I was like, I'm like, yeah, that was good. That right there, that it started off tough, that ended up being a really great memory. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about, I'm glad we're talking about how awesome marriage is because it is important. It's important to God. And, and I don't know if this is coincidence or not, but, uh, you know, Jesus here, he's talking about the law, right? He, mm-hmm. This is kind of like the new Sinai, right? You know, you've got Jesus going up a mountain, and then he's talking about the law. And right in the middle of all of these six examples, pretty much, he's talking about marriage. And I, I want to understand, you know, for God, th- this must be really important, right? Marriage, I think it, it mirrors... The, the covenantal relationship that we enter into with him. So how does marriage mirror our commitment to God? And what does that say to the world? Yeah, th- there was one scripture that just popped up in my head, like as soon as I heard this question. And it's interesting because you phrase the question in terms of our commitment to God. And when we think about, when I think about my commitment to God, my commitment to God is primarily because God is committed to me <laughs> and I am constantly called higher because uh, I realize how, how committed, uh, you know, when you think about the life of Jesus and how he gave himself for us. And that's the scripture I think about with this um, in Ephesians five. It's a classic mm. scripture on marriage. Uh, it's, probably one of the most challenging verses for any husband. Um, And it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And I mean, this is a, obviously just a beautiful passage of what it looks like to love, uh, what I find interesting is how Paul, he starts quoting about how, you know, the two are going to become one flesh, but he doesn't actually, he's not even thinking about marriage. He's thinking, wow, this is what mm. Jesus did for mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that just blows his mind. He's like, this profound mystery. Uh, and so when I think about, you know, marriage and our commitment to God and God's commitment to us, 
it's an incredible example because we show we show our commitment to our spouses and that is a picture of how God does not give up on us. Yeah. And we also do not give up on God, right? Yep. No matter what happens, no matter if it's easy or hard, we see that this relationship is far more valuable than any present difficulty and we're we're going to stick in with it. Just that's what that's what Jesus did for us. Um so that's that's really what came to mind for me. It, I'm glad you read it because that was the exact scripture I was thinking of too. That's <laughs> what came to my mind too. And I, I, I I'm not going to say anything more because I think you just beautifully summarized it. Uh, well, okay, I'll say one more thing. <laughs> just want to reiterate what you were saying there about what it communicates to the world because that commitment is so important. And I think divorce tells a lie. It tells a lie to mm-hmm. the world about Christ's love for us. Um. And as Christians, I think we should do everything possible to keep our marriages together and holy. Yeah, I when I think about, I think about the fact that Christianity is about the it's about the journey. It's about as you live, becoming more and more and more like Christ. the The transformation of your uh, of your natural self with your sinful nature into something beyond that into something that's more spiritual, that is more like Jesus. And as long as we live, we're going to be on that journey. That journey doesn't end until the other side of eternity. And I, I think of my marriage in the same way is there, the man that I am today is a transformed person from the man that I was when I married Shemitra. And there are things about my life that there are strengths that I have now that I did not have then that come from her, that come from our relationship together. And she would say the same thing, is that I am, and and just a really brief example, I am, um, I'm a very sedentary, want to stay in one place person. I, uh, an ideal vacation for me is to sit in my house and read. That's what I could do during my vacation. <laughs> for Shemitra, it's to travel. And Shemitra yeah, will want to yeah. travel at the drop of a hat. And so, you know, there are weaknesses in that. How do you, how do you travel at the drop of a hat when you've got to pay for it and you've got to do all this stuff and you've got to do it? And that's what I would say to her when she wanted to go. <laughs> and I would say, well, how can you go unless you sit and you plan and you do all this stuff? And we would argue about that and we would butt heads about that and we would think well can I be happy with this person because she wants to be this way and I want to be that way mm-hmm. and divorces happen over less than that yeah but there's a part of me because I love her because I'm committed to her because I'm loyal to her and she to me I thought what do I need to learn from this maybe I need to be more that way and she thought the same, maybe I need to be more that way. And it transformed us both into something different, Yeah, into something better. And we did that together. And the, the, the notion of separating that mm-hmm. is, is repulsive. It's strange, it's weird. Uh, and uh, you know, so I think it's, it's, it's the transformation. Yeah, that's 
That is really cool. I <laughs> I think I'm a lot cooler than I used to be before <laughs> Netta. She's uh, helped me to get to the point. Come on. She's so quick. She's uh, no nonsense. You know exactly what you're thinking and feeling. And it's and it, when I first met her, it was a real hard thing for me to do, to even understand what I was thinking or feeling. And being around her, modeling it for me, was so helpful for me to grow up. Well, we live in a me-centric, feeling-based society. We kind of talked about that a little bit at the beginning of this episode. And if something doesn't feel good for me, I should avoid it, that sort of thinking. Um, And how easy that creeps into marriage. It's the opposite, of course, of what Jesus teaches. And later when Jesus talks about this topic, he quotes Genesis. So in Matthew 19, verse 4, he says, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they're no no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. What do we learn, kind of going back to to the beginning here a little bit, what do we learn about love from the institution of marriage? Yeah, I feel like we're hitting the same same thing from a million different angles here. Because uh, mm-hmm. when I think about this, I think about the scripture that gets read at a whole bunch of weddings. First uh, Corinthians thirteen talks about the attributes of love, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll read it. Uh, it's love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is certainly not restricted to marriage. Uh, and I. this is just an incredible definition of what love is in general. What I am thinking about is that many of these things don't make sense when things are good and easy. Hmm. So, I mean, the obvious one is like persevering and you can't persevere if there's nothing challenging going on and you can't really be patient unless there's something to be patient about. Uh, You can't demonstrate that you're not easily angered unless there's a reason why you could get angry. (laughs) And, and, and all of this is basically like you, you can only really be loving if you're in, really close community with people because that's when love is tested and that's when love is demonstrated. And uh, there's many ways of being in very close community with people. And marriage is definitely uh, a prime example of that with, with one person, like we're going to do it all together. And you know, that's, it's going to provide many opportunities uh, to learn the nuances of what these definite different definitions of love uh, actually look like. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, love is a love is a thing that comes from God. Hmm. And it does not come from us naturally outside of God. Uh, what comes hmm. from us naturally outside of God is just a desire to uh to to just be everything that we want to be and to 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 soothe our own flesh and to to take everything that we can before our flesh is done. And for me, I think that what marriage teaches me about love is the, and again, I go back to the transformation thing, is 
I could not have imagined being the person that I am now. There was nothing in me that would make me, and I'm talking about the positive attributes I have now because I've got many negative ones. <laughs> um, but it's love is, and the thing for me is love is like a seed and, uh, and marriage is like everything that you do to make sure that that seed grows. Uh, you have to find the right place to plant it. You have to find the right type of soil. You have to plant it at the right time. You have to water it. You have to make sure it gets the right amount of light. You have to, these are all things that you do. But the miraculous thing, the thing that's from God, is that somehow when you do all those things, something grows. Mm. And what grows is so different from what you originally planted. And I think that what marriage shows us about love is that all of that work that you do, all of that uh, discussing that you do, all of the talking that you do, all of the praying that you do together, all of the advice that you seek, all of the uh, investment that you make, the emotional investment that you make, it, it grows something and it's miraculous yeah. when you see it. And I, I wish that I could explain exactly what it feels like, uh, but it, it's, it, it is like a seed. It's that miraculous thing that um, you plant it and it grows. And am I talking about a marriage? Am I talking about a relationship with God? Yes, both. Yeah. The two are related. And, and, and I love that you said it's from God because we wouldn't know what love is yeah. until he first loved us and then demonstrated to us what love was by sending Christ when we were still sinners who died for us. You know, And that's how we know what love is. Mm -hmm. And I, I think... For me, this this gets to some of the other things we were talking about. That there's a um, it's love is more than a feeling. Uh, there's a in marriage we see there is a commitment made, and so in that I think we learn something about how God deals with us, mm -hmm. and that He is decided. He it says He's placed His affection on us, and and that is a decision. And and so love can be a decision. Mm -hmm. It's not just whimsical like oh I feel like loving you or not. No, no, no. I decided I love you. Therefore, I'm going to act. I'm going to love you. So mm -hmm. it can be an action. It can be a decision. And it's not just the feelings I think are great. They're like the spice of life, but they should result in some ways from these higher order functions yeah. that we, you know, we're not just meant to be, I don't know what to say, animalistic or just feeling based, right? It'd be like the tail yeah. wagging the dog. Definitely. So uh, without that structure, it's chaos. Um, last question. <laughs> We're going a little bit longer, but I think that's okay. Right after Jesus discusses marriage, he transitions to the topic of oaths and, and, and vows, which we'll talk about next time. But it reminds me of Malachi 2.16. I'm going to read the ESV version. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. God hates when we break the marriage vow. How do you think marriage counseling should address the seriousness of the marriage covenant? Uh, you know, 
the the statement there that God hates when we break the marriage vow. Um, I think it just it's it's kind of dumbfounding um, that uh, God again very extreme language. Um, again, very uh, just very serious, and I think that. Um, Marriage counseling for me is something, and I think that marriage counseling is something that should be happening all the time. Mm. And here's how I mean. I think that we think of, I think of marriage counseling in two ways. I think of it as um, something that you get as you're deciding to get premarital counseling. Mm -hmm. I think of it in that way, sort of preparing you for this is what it's going to mean to be together. And uh, there's there's all kinds of implications about that that go beyond um, the actual living together and the sex and all of that stuff. But then there's marriage counseling. Then the next way you think of marriage counseling is, oh, now there's trouble. <laughs> yeah. Something has happened and uh, someone has done something. And now we have to get together to see if we're going to stay together, if we can repair it, or if it's irreparable. And I think that's the way that sort of the the worldly notion of marriage counseling. But I think that marriage counseling is something that should be happening all the time, not necessarily with a professional counselor, Mm -hmm. with you sitting in an office and sitting on a chair and doing all these exercises, although I don't think that that's a bad idea, but I think that it's something that you have to be talking about all the time. You have to talk about it within your marriage and you really need the community around you to be able to talk about it even outside of your marriage to get that help, to get that because it is work that has to be ongoing. Before it ends up in the do we stay together or not scenario, let's get lots of help before that. Before we enter into it and after we started, because, you know, that I remember when I first got married, there was a a lot of navigating, like, how do I live with this person? She thinks about things completely different than I do. (laughs) And it took a long time for us to have a shared vocabulary. We we understood where we were coming from, even. And if it wasn't for people in our lives that could see from the outside when we're like, oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. And, and see, hey, uh, I think she just means this, Matt, or, you know, Netta, I think Matt is thinking of it this way. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. It, it's so helpful. I'm glad you brought that up. What, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the analogy that comes to mind for me that I think is useful for a lot of guys is – like, let's think about just working out, right? It's important for me to be healthy. <laughs> it's important for me to get the, for my, to me to give my body what it needs uh, so I can do everything that I want to do. So I'm going to prioritize this. It's not something, maybe I like going to the gym, maybe I don't like going to the gym. How, whatever I do, I'm going to find ways to keep on growing. And mm-hmm. it's never about, oh, I hit this level, so I'm done, right? There's always like another level to get to. And the reason for that is because our physical health is like very important and it impacts so many other things. Our marriage covenant, our marriages are incredibly important and they Mm -hmm. affect uh, even more Mm -hmm. than 
our physical health if you're married. It's mm-hmm. it's uh, what I tell people uh, who are who are my age, who are thinking about getting married or who want to get married. I'm like, this is the person that you're going to go to every party with and leave every party from. And you really want to make sure, you know, that that's you feel really great about that. But when you when you're in the marriage, it's about, you know, how do we how do we develop that relationship where that's a joy, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's this constant improvement uh, that I think is the key the key similarity between like marriage and working out that you're always going to be looking for ways to grow because this is always going to be important, right? Mm-hmm. You if if you're gonna, you're stuck with your body and you're stuck with your spouse. <laughs> like you're, this is your spouse. This is the person you've committed to. Let's figure out how to make this work. Yeah, I think that I think that the an operative word that I heard there. I think I heard both of you guys talk about joy, and uh, joy is something that uh, you have to work through. Uh, if if all you're if y'all all you're in it for is happiness. Uh, you're not going to be able to stay together. Mm. You're not going to be able to. And the counseling that you need to get is it's so it's so crucial. And what I really want to say here is there came a point in my marriage where I had to realize I can't get every thing that I need from relationships. Mm-hmm. From my marriage. And I've seen with a lot of people that I know that mistake happening, that they want that, you know, people often say my my wife is my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I understand what they mean when they say that. But there's a double edge to that. If your wife is your best friend and she's also your only friend, <laughs> that's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a situation where there's not going to be much joy because we're we're meant to be together in community. Mm-hmm. And marriage is from God, community is from God, and a marriage can't thrive outside of a community. A marriage is not a community. I'm glad you've made that important. I, it's a very important point. I remember when I was looking, when I was dating around, and uh, one of the things that drew me to Netta was that I thought, well, here's someone where I'm not the center of her world. Very obviously I'm not. And it's Jesus. It's God. Yeah. And that was something that I really, really, it made me feel secure because mm-hmm. I'm glad I let everyone I know, if I'm in a relationship with you in any way, I will let you down. Mm-hmm. And you know, when we have Jesus, when you have God at the center, that's how it's going to work. Um, but I also liked what you were saying about joy. And it's something that you said too, Tim, I, as you were both talking about continuing to to grow, th- this is something, it re- I made me think of, of this scripture that um, in Colossians 2, verse 6, it says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Yeah. And it made me think, you know, we've got this relationship with God and that should never grow stale. Mm-hmm. We, it should be growing. Just as, we, just as we started, just as we fell in love with Christ, we should remember that and continue to grow in faith and, and abounding in lo- and with thanksgiving. 
so likewise, our marriages should be that way. They should be reflections of, of the relationship that we should all have with Jesus, where they are growing. And I think when we have marriage, and I think this is so important to, to just reiterate, it should be a commitment that is for life that we're, we're committed to. And when we have that as like, that's, we've burned the bridges and there's no turning back and we're committed. I'm, I'm totally invested with you. I'm committed to you. Mm-hmm. That, that is so reassuring. This has been really fun. <laughs> this has been great, actually. I just, it is, it's a tough subject, but I'm glad that we were able to talk about it and talk about how wonderful marriage is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not always easy, but it's, some, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've appreciated this conversation because it's, I, I think coming into it I and starting to prepare, I, I was I was thinking more about the negative or the way oh, this is so hard. And we talked a lot in the episode about this is hard, <laughs> but there's such promise, right? Mm-hmm. There's such opportunity uh, for us to see more clearly who God is, for us to grow ourselves, for us to be transformed and to help transform those around us, uh, especially our spouses, just as we love unconditionally. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is this has been very encouraging to me. Yeah, and marriage just gets a bad rap. I think that the the sort of the popular culture notion of marriage is that, well, that's where the fun ends in a relationship. Mm. And that's where you, you know, that's where you get beat down. That's where you get worn down. And I think particularly from the male point of view, you know, the 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 henpecked, worn down husband is just a worn out trope in almost every bit of entertainment that you see. And if you've got a marriage that's a real marriage, that doesn't exist. That that guy is not a real person. He is as made up as anything else in a movie or in a book. And yeah, this has been a good conversation. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks.